Due to the graphic nature of this murder case, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes dramatizations and discussions of rape, incest, murder, child murder, gore, and assault. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. During the last days of March 1922, the Gruber family noticed that something bizarre was happening. They lived on a small and isolated farm called Hinterkaifeck that was adjacent to the town of Kaifeck, located about 45 miles outside of Munich. It started slowly. First, a newspaper showed up in the family barn. No one in the family had ever seen it before, and it came from Munich, roughly 80 kilometers away from the Gruber's farm. The Grubers asked their mailman, and he didn't recognize it either. And maybe they would have let it go. But as the day progressed, things only got stranger. A trail of mysterious footprints leading up to the front door showed up in the snow. But no one seemed to be inside the house. Then as they were sitting down to dinner, the family heard heavy breathing coming from the walls. The next day, the Grubers searched the house rigorously. But there was no sign of a forced entry. There was no sign of anyone at all. Feeling as though they had no choice, they just went on with their lives and tried to forget about it. But if anyone in the family knew what was waiting for them, perhaps they would have searched a bit more thoroughly. On the evening of March 31st, the entire family would be murdered inside their home. But even before this odd series of events, the Gruber's lives were pretty horrifying. Incest, abuse, and manipulation had plagued the family since Andreas Gruber had moved onto the remote farm in 1886. In other words, things at Hinterkaifeck were grim long before the massacre. This is Unsolved Murders, True Crime Stories, a Spotify original from ParCast. I'm your host, Carter Roy. And I'm your host, Wendy McKenzie. Every Tuesday, we dive into the world of a real unsolved murder and try to solve the case. You can find episodes of Unsolved Murders and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. This is our first episode on the Hinterkaifeck murders of 1922 the massacre of a German family of five and their maid that took place on their isolated farm. Much of what really happened on March 31, 1922, remains a mystery, even after 100 years. But it's easy to see that demons started plaguing the family long before the murders. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. 
Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. In 1877, 18-year-old Kazelia Gruber married a man named Yosef Assam. Not much is known about Yosef, but he bestowed a piece of land upon young Kazelia that would completely change her life. They moved to a remote farmstead known as Hinterkaifeck. It was surrounded by ominous woods, about a day's ride by horse from Munich in northern Bavaria. There was a one-story farmhouse on the property, and that's where Kazelia and Yosef started their lives together. Although their home and the land surrounding it seemed bleak, the young couple flourished. Kazelia had four children and watched her domestic life blossom. It looked like they were laying the foundations for a long and prosperous life together. That is, until 1885. Less than 10 years into their marriage, Yosef Assam died suddenly. It was a devastating blow, but it was nothing new for Kazelia. Only two of her four children had lived past infancy, so she was no stranger to abrupt and heartbreaking loss. Within a year's time, Kazelia was back on her feet. She had a new husband by 1886. His name was Andreas and rumor was that he was far more interested in partial ownership of Hinterkaifeck than in Kazelia herself. Although their marriage may have been loveless, by the next year, the couple were welcoming their first child. Her name was Victoria, and she was a burst of color amidst the bleak farmland. As Victoria matured, she became a fixture in the community. Anyone who met her seemed to fall in love. That Victoria? What a lovely young woman she's turning into. Did you hear her sing at church this past weekend? Oh, she's an angel. The fact that she's forced to live on that eyesore of a farm is a shame. And with that dreadful Andreas as a father, poor thing. You don't even know the half of it. She proudly displayed a cherubic singing voice each week at church and was remarkably friendly. Most people thought of her as nothing short of an angel, but beneath all the hymns and pleasantries, Victoria's life was a waking nightmare. By the early 1900s, Victoria's father, Andreas Gruber, had become abusive. Those who walked by Hinterkaifeck often said they heard screams coming from the farmhouse, it was believed that these were the cries of the Gruber children. In addition to physical assaults, many thought that Andreas was starving his children. While the two surviving children from Kazelia's first marriage grew up and managed to leave the nest, two of the elder daughters she had with Andreas, Victoria's full sisters, were not so lucky. 
By the time Victoria was in her teenage years, her older sisters had both died. They were severely malnourished at the time of their deaths. After her sisters died, Victoria was left to suffer at the hands of Andreas completely alone. And in 1906, things only got worse for the 16-year-old girl. (laughs) Victoria? Is that you? What's the matter? Oh, no, I'm fine. Please, I don't mean to be a bother. Dear God, look at you. Your dress is all torn. What happened? We need to get you back home. Come on, let's go. No, please, I can't go back there. He... Never mind. Who? Did someone hurt you? (laughs) It was widely reported, even at the time, that Andreas had been sexually assaulting Victoria since she was a young teen. And as time passed, the attacks grew more frequent and more aggressive. But despite the atrocities that were taking place each night at Hinterkaifeck, the farm prospered. Crops flourished, the livestock always sold, and business had never been better. Victoria felt trapped. But eventually, she saw a way out. A young suitor named Carl Gabriel. Carl was the 26-year-old son of a farmer in the nearby township of La. Although the two hardly knew each other, Victoria pounced on the idea of marriage purely because it could potentially get her out of her father's grasp. And it worked. After a short period of courtship, Carl and Victoria were married on March 4, 1914. But Victoria's hopes were dashed when her new husband insisted that the couple stay at Hinterkaifeck after the wedding. It's very possible that Carl only married Victoria to gain part ownership of the family farm, and he wasn't about to give it up that quickly. It looked like Victoria's plan for salvation had only made matters worse. Not only did she still have to deal with her abusive father, but she now had to figure out how to cope with a shallow marriage and a husband who only wanted her for her family's land. And things were about to get a lot more complicated. In the summer of 1914, Victoria found out she was pregnant, and that certainly was not something she was emotionally prepared for. And as if that wasn't enough, World War I was rapidly descending upon Europe. While Victoria and the rest of the Grubers were terrified of what might happen to their country and the world at large, Carl Gabriel jumped into action and enlisted in the German army. And this wasn't because he was eager to serve his country. It seems like he just wanted to get away from Victoria as their marriage went sour. You get back in here this second! Victoria, it's done. I'm enlisted and I'll be gone by next week. So you expect me to raise our daughter on my own? Don't kid yourself. You're as miserable as I am. The only reason we're in this mess to begin with is because of our greedy parents. You know it. I know it. This is a way out for both of us. But you're leaving me here with him. I'm sorry, Victoria. This is what's best for both of us. It appeared that Carl thought joining the army would give him a fresh start, but it did the exact opposite. In December of 1914, 
Victoria and her family receive some troubling news. Well, what does it say? I... I'm sorry, Victoria. Mother, what does it say? Carl is missing in action. Presumed dead. I know it hurts now, but please think about it. This is what you want. This is what's best for you, for us. Don't act like this isn't a godsend. If that man came back alive, he would pry this farm out of our hands. Is that what you want? No. Good. Now go get some rest. Although Victoria was deeply affected by Carl's death, things quickly returned to normal. In January 1915, Victoria gave birth to her baby daughter. She named her Cazelia after her mother. But even as she welcomed a new life into the world, darkness continued to swirl around Hinterkaifeck. Andreas hadn't stopped physically and sexually tormenting his daughter throughout her marriage or pregnancy, He made no effort to hide his abuse and regularly assaulted his daughter in broad daylight. However, his carelessness eventually got the best of him. In his book, Footsteps in the Attic, author Edward Chilvers detailed how that spring, the family maid was cleaning the house when she walked into the master bedroom. To her horror, she saw Andreas raping his daughter. The maid screamed bloody murder and alerted the police immediately. Both Andreas and Victoria were convicted of incest and sent to jail. Victoria was given a one-month sentence, while Andreas would spend that entire year in prison. This disturbing news spread quickly through the small farm community. Andreas's reputation was rightfully tarnished. And while Victoria continued to dream about escaping Hinterkaifeck, She knew that she'd never be able to separate herself from this horrible situation. Coming up, Victoria's attempts at a new life are ruined when her father returns to the farm. Hi, I'm Christine Schieffer. And I'm M. Schultz. We're the hosts of Rituals, the new Spotify original from Parcast. If you've heard our podcast, And That's What We Drink, you know we are no strangers to true crime and the paranormal. We're also into the occult uh, to chat about. Not to join, but, you know, to to learn and educate. (laughs) Every Monday on Rituals, we're journeying through mystifying stories of sorcery, alchemy, Satanism, and more, and trying to determine if the dark arts of the past impact us today. Like weather witches? Who were they? Or the Fountain of Youth? Address, please. (laughs) Don't forget about werewolf trials, Em. Objection, Christine. Let's not give too much away. And instead, let's tell everyone to follow our new podcast, Rituals, free and only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. And now, back to our story. 
In May 1915, 55-year-old Andreas Gruber and his 28-year-old daughter, Victoria, were arrested for incest in the German town of Kaifak. While Andreas was sentenced to a year behind bars, Victoria was released after only a month. And upon her release, it was clear that something had changed. The once meek and timid girl radiated with a newfound confidence and assertiveness. Being free from her father seemed to make her into an entirely new person. With this renewed spirit, Victoria started to revamp her life. And that began with finding a husband. The first man who caught her eye was Lorenz Schlittenbauer, the mayor of a nearby town. Even though Victoria was popular and well-loved in her community, many onlookers agreed that it was an unlikely match. Victoria was a disgraced farm girl with little more than a plot of land to her name. Schlittenbauer was a beloved social figure and politician. And most importantly, he was married. But that didn't deter Victoria. She had her eyes on the prize. For the next three years, she relentlessly pursued Schlittenbauer, but her advances were denied each and every time. However, in 1918, Schlittenbauer's wife passed away. Schlittenbauer wasted no time after her death and almost immediately began an affair with Victoria. After a month, he asked for Victoria's hand in marriage. It was a dream come true for the farm girl. Once again, she felt as though she had finally found a way to escape Hinterkaifeck. But Schlittenbauer had more complex feelings about their union. He cared for her deeply and wanted the marriage to work. However, he, like many others in the surrounding area, knew all about Victoria's abusive father and the stronghold he had over his family. He didn't want to join a family where abuse ran rampant, and he certainly didn't want his future father-in-law to continue assaulting his future wife. Schlittenbauer decided to head to Hinterkaifeck and confront Andreas personally. Mr. Gruber? Uh, Could I have a moment of your time? What is it? Well, as you know, I'll be taking the hand of your lovely daughter. Out with it, boy. Uh, Right. There is the issue of your previous crimes and your relations with your daughter, with Victoria. What of it? If I am to marry your daughter, which would benefit both myself and the social and financial standings of your family, I would need you, sir, to follow through on one condition. Any incestuous activity between the two of you must end here and now. (laughs) I assure you, sir, I am being quite serious. We'll see. Now be on your way. Schlittenbauer knew that Andreas was prone to violent outbursts, so he was relieved that the interaction didn't end in a fistfight. But Andreas had essentially said that he wouldn't stop the abuse no matter what Schlittenbauer said. The young man loved Victoria, but he was scared for his own safety. He wasn't sure if the marriage could ever work with a monster like Andreas looming over it. As if Schlittenbauer didn't already have enough on his plate, Victoria revealed to him that she was pregnant. She wasn't sure who the father was. Schlittenbauer had an idea, though, and it wasn't him. 
thought you'd be happy. Why? Because you're bringing a child of incest into our lives? You don't know that. Oh, please. Everyone will know. I know. I can feel it. That is not my child growing inside of you. That is some horrible beast born from pure evil. Lawrence, please. It's not my father's. I promise you. But Schlittenbauer wasn't convinced. In a rage, he returned to Hinterkaifeck to confront Andreas one more time. As Schlittenbauer approached the barn where Andreas was working, he couldn't help but notice a large scythe resting at the man's feet. You sick, sick man! Do you know what you've done to your daughter? You've ruined her! And now she is carrying your child! It's disgusting! You have no idea what you're talking about. You get off my farm right this instant! Not until you acknowledge that is your child! that your sick behavior has led to the conception of new life, that you have sinned beyond comprehension. Who do you think you're talking to? That is my daughter. This is my land. All of this, it's mine. And you're trespassing, so I'll say it once more. Leave. Schlittenbauer stood his ground, unwilling to leave until he got an admission of guilt from Andreas. However, he may have been in over his head, According to the book, Footsteps in the Attic, without missing a beat, Andreas picked up the scythe and charged at Schlittenbauer. That scared the young man off for good. He called the marriage off soon after this interaction. All the same, Victoria gave birth to her second child, a son named Josef, in 1919. After the boy was born, the Gruber family requested child support from Schlittenbauer, They still firmly believed he was the biological father, and it was his responsibility to support the child. In response, Schlittenbauer headed to the police department. He still suspected that the child wasn't his and was a product of incest. The prospect disgusted him. So he filed a formal complaint against Andreas. Soon enough, Andreas was arrested for the rape of his eldest daughter. Two weeks later, Andreas was released on bail. In a peculiar turn of events, Schlittenbauer withdrew his statement and publicly admitted to being the baby's father. It was later revealed that the Grubers paid him 2,000 papier marks to do these things. Things calmed down after Schlittenbauer's statement. Life went back to the way it was at Hinterkaifeck. It was clear that the marriage would never happen, But Schlittenbauer maintained a good relationship with the family. Tensions cooled between him and Andreas, and the two seemed cordial around one another. But normal was by no means good, especially not for Victoria. Andreas's horrific behavior only intensified now that the family was out of the local spotlight. He continued to assault her on a regular basis and showed little to no signs of remorse. By 1922, Victoria's renewed sense of confidence had completely disappeared. Between her failed marriage attempt with Schlittenbauer and the unending torture from her father, the 35-year-old was broken. Victoria tried to keep her pain a secret by running into the woods, desperate to be alone. On March 25, 1922, a mother and daughter stumbled upon her during one of these vulnerable moments. She stood up against a tree, sobbing and shivering. The women approached to see what was wrong. My goodness, 
Victoria? Victoria Gruber, is that you? Oh, um, yes. Sorry, I I'm, I'm fine, it's alright. I'm sorry to disturb you. You'll catch an awful cold if you stay out here. Come on, let's get you home. No, please. I can't go back there. Your father? Oh, you poor thing. I'm so sorry. Is that what it is? That awful Andreas. Well, yes. But there's something else. A man. Another man. He's been watching me. A man? Who is he? I don't know. He follows me home and watches from the woods, and then he disappears. But I can feel his eyes on me everywhere. It's horrible. I can't stand it. Oh dear, we must get you home. The mother and daughter may have thought that this strange man was a figment of Victoria's panicked imagination, but Victoria had mentioned this figure a few times before. Most notably, she told friends about seeing him standing at the edge of the woods for hours on end, always wearing the same army coat. It felt like he was staring at her the whole time. Eventually, Victoria left the mother-daughter duo in the woods and returned back home. But pretty soon, she wouldn't be the only person at Hinterkaifeck who felt like they were being watched. Coming up, the Grubers realize that an intruder is on the farm, and tragedy strikes. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. And now back to the story. On March 30, 1922, one week after Victoria was found in the woods hiding from an unknown stalker, 63-year-old Andreas Gruber noticed something that made him feel as though he was being watched as well. Andreas's morning started early, as it usually did. He entered the barn to feed the livestock when he noticed something peculiar on the ground. It was a newspaper from Munich. He'd never seen this particular newspaper in his life, nor had any member of his family. Victoria, get your mother. Now. What is it? Father, please sit down. You look upset. Don't you tell me what to do. Now look at this, huh? What is this? I have no idea. Does that say Munich? You get this from one of your boyfriends? You bringing boys in from the city now? Stop yelling at her, Andreas. Look at her. She's never seen it before. What on earth has gotten you so worked up? According to witness testimony from neighbors, things only got more bizarre from there. Andreas remembered that his extra set of keys had gone missing earlier that week. Initially, he figured that he probably misplaced them. But the newspaper from Munich had him thinking something else. Perhaps someone had stolen the extra keys and used them to break in. He began a search of the property, and to his dismay, he found the lock on his shed opened and laying on the ground. 
He flung the shed door open, expecting to see the interior completely ransacked. But everything was in its place. Nothing had been stolen. But once he knew this wasn't a robbery, Andreas felt even more uneasy. Flustered, he headed towards the field to begin his day's work and try to clear his head. But then he came upon something else. A pair of footprints emerged from the thick woods that surrounded Hinderkaifek and led right to the front door of the house. There was no second set of footprints leading out. Whoever entered the Gruber home had yet to exit. He couldn't focus on anything. There was a stranger inside of his home. He knew it, but he couldn't find a trace of anyone or anything. He didn't know if he was going crazy. His heart pounded and sweat poured down his brow. There was nothing he could do besides push through his day and pretend like nothing was wrong. That was just the kind of man Andreas was. He continued working on the farm and greeted his family that evening as if nothing had changed. Later that day, he ran into his daughter's ex-fiancé, Lorenz Schlittenbauer. Andreas was a notoriously unpleasant man who would rarely start a conversation if he didn't have to, and the two definitely hadn't gotten on well in the past. So Schlittenbauer was caught off guard when Andreas came bounding towards him, looking nervous and eager to speak. Have you got a minute? Uh, I suppose. What is it? I think someone's broken onto the farm. My, my extra keys are missing. There, there are footprints everywhere in this newspaper. I found a newspaper from Munich in the barn. How do you explain that? Is Victoria okay? The kids? They're fine. Right. Well, if you want, I can come help you search the property. Sounds pretty terrifying. No, no, I don't need your help. It's fine. We'll, we'll be fine, as you were. <laughs> right. Keep your family safe, Andreas. I didn't ask for your advice. Even though Schlittenbauer offered help, Andreas turned it down. But that may have been his biggest mistake. By dinner time that night, Andreas and his family gathered at the dinner table. Shortly after they sat down, they were all paralyzed by fear. Footsteps were audible from the attic. Every once in a while, heavy breathing seemed to seep through the walls and floorboards. Someone was in the house, and the entire Gruber family were too terrified to do anything about it. The next morning, their new maid, Maria Baumgartner, started her first day of work for the family. This only served as a distraction to the concerned and frantic Andreas as he conducted a rigorous search of the property he failed to find an intruder. Later that morning, the community began to notice that something was off at Hinterkaifeck. Victoria's daughter, Kazelia, didn't show up to school. Then at noon, two salesmen came to the house to deliver an order of coffee for Victoria. The two men waited at the door, but no one came. They checked around the back of the house. All the doors were locked. But oddly enough, the front gates to the farm were wide open. Coincidentally, the salesmen were headed to Lorenz Schlittenbauer's house next. When they reached his home, they mentioned that the Grubers were nowhere to be found. Schlittenbauer immediately thought of his conversation with Andreas the day prior. He was worried, but didn't think too much of it. 
The next morning, the Grubers didn't show up to church. This was bizarre considering that Victoria never missed a chance to sing in front of the congregation. Then came the morning of April 4th. 20-year-old Albert Hoffner arrived at Hinterkaifeck for a scheduled visit to repair the family's diesel engine. As soon as he entered the property, he heard the Gruber's dog growling. Hoffner was no stranger to the family, and he knew the dog well. It was usually well-behaved and sweet to him, but this morning it was snarling and barking. As he got closer, he noticed a gash running down the side of the dog's face. Feeling a bit uneasy, he approached the door and began to knock. No answer. He stood there for 20 minutes, waiting for a response. Then he noticed a man lurking at the edge of the woods. Hoffner darted to the side of the house to try and peer in through the windows and noticed clear signs that someone had broken into the home. Doors left ajar, food flung onto the floor, chairs toppled over. Hoffner got on his bike and left the property. On his way home, he ran into Lawrence Schlittenbauer and his children. Hoffner, you look like you've just seen a ghost. Is everything all right? Uh, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I was just by the Grubers and something is off. They were nowhere to be found, but I think someone was there. Just not anyone who was supposed to be there. You're not making an awful lot of sense. Look, I don't want anything to do with this sort of thing. But if I were you, having the history you do with that family, I'd go by and just make sure everything's okay. I see. Soon after, Schlittenbauer sent his two sons over to Hinterkaifeck to check in on the family. They knocked on all the doors and windows, but there was no sign of life. They returned home and told their father that they couldn't find anyone. This was the moment when Schlittenbauer finally realized something was horribly wrong. At first, Schlittenbauer was sure that this was Andreas' fault. He thought the notoriously violent man had finally snapped and knew the time was of the essence. He rushed outside with his sons in tow and made his way to the Gruber's farm. Along the way, he recruited two neighbors to join him. The first thing they noticed upon entering the property was that one of the family's cows had escaped the barn and was roaming freely around the field. They slowed down, careful not to disturb the animal, and crept closer to the barn. Schlittenbauer and his boys approached the door and slowly pulled it open. The late afternoon sunlight flooded the shed. It was a scene of absolute carnage. Four bodies lay motionless on the ground with the top halves of their bodies covered in hay. Schlittenbauer grabbed the largest body by the leg and flipped it over. It was Andreas Gruber. A deep gash ran the length of his skull. Blood caked so thick onto his face that it appeared almost pitch black. He moved onto the smaller body that lay next to Andreas. It was seven-year-old Kazelia. She'd suffered the same fate as her grandfather. Their head wounds were identical. Unable to speak, the men left the other two bodies, as they were, and walked to the house. The back door had a set of keys still inserted into the lock. They entered through the kitchen, then darted into the first room they saw. It was baby Yosef's nursery. 
and inside was the most horrific scene of all. The infant lay dead in his crib. They backed out from the room and noticed a pair of legs sticking out from the entryway of another bedroom. As they got closer, they realized it was yet another casualty. It was the family's maid who'd just been hired. Schlittenbauer sent his boys home and instructed his two neighbors to go alert the police at once. Local officers were on the scene an hour later, and a crowd began to grow just outside Hinterkaifeck. As the media circus began, Schlittenbauer took charge of the situation. He led investigators through the property, explained the situation to onlookers, and gave a brief history of the family to all who asked. At that moment, Schlittenbauer likely thought he was doing the right thing. He was aiding as best he could to help bring his neighbors justice after this unthinkable tragedy. However, as he would quickly find out, the investigators didn't see it that way. They got a much different read from his composed demeanor. The police found it strange that he was able to remain so calm in the wake of such a gruesome tragedy. And just like that, Lorenz Schlittenbauer became the prime suspect in the murder of the Gruber family at Hinterkaifeck. Thanks again for tuning in to Unsolved Murders. We'll be back next Tuesday with part two of the Hinterkaifeck murders. For more information, amongst the many sources we used, we found Footsteps in the Attic, a true account of the slayings at the Hinterkaifeck homestead by Edward Shilvers to be extremely helpful to our research, as well as Unsolved Murders, True Crime Cases Uncovered by Amber Hunt and Emily G. Thompson. You can find all episodes of Unsolved Murders and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll see you next time. If we live till next time. Unsolved Murders True Crime Stories is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Michael Langsner with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Unsolved Murders is written by Spencer Fox, with writing assistance by Giles Hofseth. Fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez, and research by Mickey Taylor. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Brian Kim McCormick, Sammy Amounts, Ellie Schiff, Laith Walshlager, and Jen Wong. Unsolved Murders stars Wendy McKenzie and Carter Roy. Werewolves, witches, and Arthur Conan Doyle? Oh my! Sounds like fascinating topics to discuss on our new show, Rituals, Christine. You know what, Em? It sure does. Every Monday on Rituals, join us as we explore the evolution of spiritualism and the occult through stories, practices, and the impact on modern culture. If you've heard our podcast and that's why we drink, this is the perfect pairing for you. And if you haven't, go give us a try. Follow our Spotify original from Parcast, Rituals. Listen free only on Spotify. Spotify.